And fame is such a great quotient in American life now that you can see where kids would trade fame and give and be willing to give away like the, the, the profit part. Look no further than the deals that the record labels cut with the streaming services. They got into ownership equity deals with the streaming services in an, in an, in a, in an arrangement for them to have an equity position. They agreed to very low rates for the artist's music. But as Are you ready? All right, welcome back, everyone, to Things You're Not Supposed to Talk About with Louis G. And today's podcast is Digital Killed the Radio Star. Uh, yeah, yep, it certainly did. And Billy Corgan is telling you why, right there on Loudwire, right? Billy Corgan giving an interview on Loudwire about how digital killed the radio star. And um, he's giving you that information based on uh, his experience in the music industry, right? Because he's, he's a huge, huge star in the music industry, okay? So, um... I got to ask you a question. Do you like music? Right? Right? Because you have to like music. I mean, ugh. and even if you don't like music, there's some music you do like. There's something, you know, like, I don't like music. I don't listen to music. Well, yeah, but there's something you do like, right? You're standing in an elevator, song comes on, you go, oh, that sounds pretty good, right? I mean, there's something because you can't escape the music industry, I promise, right? You can't escape the music. It's like air. You can't escape air, can't escape the music industry. It's out there for you. So do you like music? Do you like a specific kind of music, you know? Do you listen to new music? D digital music is fast and easy for the consumer, right? So, however, it's not so easy for the artist. Here's a relevant fact. The music industry does not care about me, Luigi, <laughs> or what I want, all right? My new music foray ended around 2012 when my daughters were hitting the tweens and they wanted to hear the music loud in the car, right? So after all, that focus that I had on music for so long, it, it, it was such a huge part of my life, even as a child. Okay, I mean, and I mean a child, like five, six, seven years old, right? It was a huge part of my life because of the people who I was surrounded with who enjoyed the kind of music that they enjoyed, you know? And for, for that to end for the last 10 years, it's a little bit depressing, you know. It's like you lost. It's like you lost a loved one almost. And 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 um, I think that that brings about the energy for me anyway in this podcast to want to start off talking about the negativity <laughs> and all the negative aspects of the digital music stuff. So I'm going to start that way, right? Because I think while digital music has revolutionized the way we listen to and discover music, because I I actually have discovered some music that I like. Um, through the digital music that I would never have found in a music store rifling through records, right? So it it's also has some negative aspects. And here's a couple, I think. There's sound quality, right? The, the sound quality of digital music can be lower than that of physical media like CDs or vinyl records. And I'm going to take CDs out of there, and I'm just going to say vinyl records because vinyl records are better than CDs, right? So this is because digital music is compressed to save space which can result in a loss of audio quality. And I'm going to take out the word can. I was trying to be judicious, and I'm going to say it does. All right? So vinyl records are known for their warm, rich sound quality, which is often considered superior to that of digital music. And it is true. And I'm going to prove that once again by telling you that my wife and I have spent a considerable amount of money in the last few months replenishing our um, uh, 
vinyl record collections. And we've done it, you know, in the most inexpensive way we could possibly can by going to, you know, antique stores and things like that. And we've had a great time bonding doing it. I'm not going to lie. And it's been a hell of an experience. It's better than when you're a kid, right? And you're doing it by yourself, standing there in a record store, rifling through records. Uh, it's better with your wife, I guess, right? And, and it's nostalgic at this age. I even went and bought some, uh, an Ankyo amp, you know, uh, a receiver. And I bought a Techniques turntable, okay, an SL1700 or something like that, you know, with the, with the, with the light on it and the different levels. And it's cool, you know. I, I, I bought Klipsch speakers, standing speakers. They're not that big, you know, bookshelf speakers, and they stand on the floor. And it's, it's old school, man. Everything's connected with wires, you know. Nothing is, 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 is um, Bluetooth. So everything is tactile. We can feel it. And those are the things that you want when you own music. You want ownership of that music. You want control of that music. And guess what? When you buy digital mu music, you don't actually own the music in the traditional sense, right? Like I just explained. Instead, you own a license to listen to it, and the company that sold you the music can revoke that license at any time. Like, so you, you, could, you could look on your iPad and one, iPod one day and, like, your iPhone or whatever you got, and you're looking around and you're going, hey, didn't I have, you know, all this music? And where, where is it? I paid for that. Where did it go? And then you start looking around. You, you look at an internet and you found out, oh, that platform is gone. And they canceled all the music. So... I can't have it anymore. I've got to rebuy it on Apple. What? That's terrible. And if you're my age, you've already bought that music in vinyl, on tape, on CD, on digital, and now again on vinyl. <laughs> right? That's five times you've paid that artist for the same music in the last 50 years. So every 10 years, that artist gets some, music, some money from you. Right? Yeah. Okay? They just keep getting less and less, right? All right. Well, and uh, that's a dependency. You know what? This, this, it gives you a dependency on technology, which is why you don't have any more records or why you let them go to the wayside or why you use them to laminate your floor, right, in the basement with. I hate when I see that. So there's a dependence on technology. The digital music is reliant on technology, which can be both a positive and negative thing. If your device or service provider goes down or is hacked, you could lose access to your music. There's a disconnection from physical media. Like with the rise of digital music, there has been a decline in the sale of physical media like vinyl records. And this could lead to loss of album art. I think album art is unbelievable. If, you, if you're a Molly, ha Molly Hatchet fan, if you don't know who Molly Hatchet is, they're a rock band, Southern rock band, okay? So from the 70s. And if you look at their albums, the art on it is unbelievable. Well, the art on it is done by an artist named Frank Frazetta who invented Conan, the, the barbarian, right? He has a museum dedicated to him in Pennsylvania. You're not getting that on digital music. That art does not exist on digital music. That was an oil painting put on an album cover. You don't get that anymore. And that, I think that stuff is important. And I don't think that stuff is important just because it's nostalgic. I think it's important to the future of music and the future of art as they go hand in hand together. <laughs> Liner notes, you know, th things telling you about the artist and how they made the album. The words to the album are important, okay? You want to know the words to the album? The artist wants you to sing the words to his songs? 
physical components of music that some listeners really value, like me. If young kids knew what it was, they would value it too. And my daughter is discovering it while she's here. She's, she's looking at these albums going, hey, look at all this stuff on this here. What's going on? I don't have any of this. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have any of this. She goes, wow. You know? And I hope she starts buying albums one day. Eh, that's all you can hope for, right? All right. Uh, then, the, you know what? It, it also uh, promotes echo chambers. You know, sometimes you get into that political echo chamber on Facebook, right? And all you get is the same news all day long about the things that you don't like, you know, and that you, that you sometimes get a little carried away and you post because you hate it so much. Well, those echo chambers are full of all those negative things at that point, which fuels, you know, your desires to read more or talk more about it. And that's what happens with digital music. Uh, you're only going to hear music that fits within your existing taste preferences. It won't expand. And, and this can limit your exposure to new, new and different types of music. So when you buy vinyl records, you own a physical object, like I said, that you can hold on to and collect. Okay? You can collect it. So why is the sound quality better on vinyl over digital? Well, there's, you know, ki kids don't know. They're like, oh, you're just being a boomer. No, I'm not. I'm a Gen Xer. That's first of all. <laughs> okay? So I'm not a boomer. All right? And um, I, there's a real reason for this. It's called science, right? Analog recording. Vinyl log, vinyl, vinyl log, listen to me. Vinyl records are analog recordings, which means that the sound is captured as a continuous wave. I guess you could call it vinyl log. Huh, I'm calling it vinyl log. This, difference, this differs from digital recordings, which capture sounds as a series of binary numbers. Vinyl log. Recording allows for a greater range of nuances and subtleties in the sound, resulting in a richer, more detailed sound. Dynamic range on vinylog records have a greater dynamic range than digital recordings. I'm taking that all the way, by the way, that vinylog thing. Dynamic range refers to the difference between the loudest and softest sounds in a recording. And vinyl records can capture a wider sound of range. All right, that that range of sound is in, it results in a much more dynamic and full-bodied sound or recording. All right, you hear deeper basses. You hear um, things that are subtle in the music in the background. You'll hear more. Like if you're listening to a Pink Floyd album, you'll hear you'll hear the subtleties in the background much 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 louder than you would on a digital recording. Uh, there's compression, right? Digital music is often compressed to reduce the file size, which can result in a loss of audio quality. So vinyl records, on the other hand, are not compressed and capture the full range of sound. There's mastering. Vinyl records are offered mastered differently than digital recordings. The mastering process of vinyl records it, it takes into consideration the physical limitations of the format, such as the amount of space available on the record and the limitations of the turntable. So this is going to result in a sound that's tailored specifically to vinyl, right? Uh, it's, it's also worth take, taking a, a note that, you know, vinyl records are created equal. The, not all vinyl records are created equal. They're all different. And the sound quality can vary depending on factors such as the quality of the pressing, uh, the condition of the record. But however, in general, the analog nature of vinylog allows for more nuanced, dynamic sound that many music enthusiasts find appealing. And I consider myself a music enthusiast. So what about direct connect according to Wi-Fi? Right? I just told you that I, 
I hooked up a bunch of stuff in my house with wires. Even the speakers are hooked up through direct connect wiring. So there's no Wi-Fi going on for my music. L- listen, that doesn't say I don't listen to Alexa, right? I listen to Alexa. I, I, I do. Okay? I have Alexa and I have Amazon Music and I pay like $9.99 for it or something. And um, I get all the songs I want. When I don't want to get up and, and, and change records, right? I do that. Okay. It's easy. But most of the times when I'm sitting there making a podcast and I want to focus, I put on a record because I don't want to get up to change the songs. And I'm listening to the entire record. The songs that I don't think are the best songs, I leave in the background while, I, while I'm doing my work. I still hear them. So the artist gets me to listen to the entire album. Now, that's what I call a direct connection. <laughs> okay? And so, in general, a direct connection between audio equipment is likely to provide, and we're going to take out the word likely and say is, going to provide better sound quality than a Wi-Fi connection. So here are a few reasons why. There's stability. A direct connection is often more stable than a Wi-Fi connection. There's no interference or congestion. You know, it, it, can, it can often result in a more consistent and reliable signal. So there's bandwidth. A direct connection can provide more bandwidth than a Wi-Fi connection, which can be particularly important to high-quality audio formats, such as high-resolution audio. So a direct connection can also be used to transmit uncompressed audio signals, which can result, which can result in higher-quality signal than a compressed audio stream over Wi-Fi. Okay, that's easy. Latency, right? There's a latency. A direct connection can provide lower latency than a Wi-Fi connection, which can be particularly important for applications such as live performances or recording. So there will be no drag, right? There's a direct connection that can also be less susceptible to noise or interference than a Wi-Fi connection, resulting in a cleaner and clearer audio signal. You know, that's it. I mean, that's why. So when you directly connect something to something, you get a better, faster, director signal. The bandwidth is wider because the wires can hold more than just the compressed air that you need to put a signal through. So did music artists make more money from the sale of vinyls as opposed to digital? There's a, there's a good question, right? I ask, I ask myself this question and I come up with answers, right? So vinyl has experienced a resurgence lately in popularity in recent years, but in terms of overall revenue, digital music sales have surpassed physical sales, including vinyl for several years now. Notice I did not say that artists made more money from digital sales. I did that deliberately. I wanted you to hear that more sales get made digitally, but guess what? More money gets made directly. Once again, direct connection doesn't always have to do with your Wi-Fi and wires. Direct connection has to do with the, my connection to the product itself, the consumer's connection to the product itself. And that is what is missing in the music industry, right? If the music industry was smart, they would start forcing artists to put their music on albums so that they can recreate those albums from albums, 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 instead of from digital music onto albums. That's just silly. 
And that's what they're trying to do now. So here's what I found out when I was tooling around the internet. I found out that, that uh, the distribution of money for artists can vary depending on numbers, a number of factors, including the artist contract, which is always important, right? And the specifics of the distribution deal. For example, right? An artist who owns the rights to their music and sells their vinyl rec records directly to fans may be able to make more money per unit sold than they would through digital distribution where there are additional costs and fees involved, right? That just depends on how much you're spending on the vinyl records and how long it takes you to do it and how much effort you're putting, manpower you're putting into it. That's all that math includes because it's you. If you have a, people who are going to distribute it for you, that math is going to include paying them. <laughs> That's all, but you're going to distribute more records. So it's also worth saying that vinyl records are often sold at a higher price point than digital downloads or streams. But people are willing to pay that for the product in hand. And they are not willing to pay that for a digital stream, which can be removed from them without their knowledge at any time. And they have to buy it somewhere else now and spend more money. So, you know, they are willing to hang on to their product in the hand and pay more money for it because of all the effort that went into it. I promise you, people will do this, right? I do it. So I'm, I'm a people. The only issue is that the overall volume of vinyl sales is still relatively small compared to digital sales. So it may not make up for the difference in unit sales. And unit sales is something you have to consider big time, right? You sell um, 100,000 vinyl records and you sell a million downloads. And which makes you the better artist? Well, right? Which makes you the better artist? That's what you got to consider. In general, the music industry has shifted towards digital distribution in recent years with streaming services such as Spotify and Apple Music becoming the primary way that people listen to artists and their music. So this has had a significant impact on the revenue model for music artists as well as they may receive only a fraction of a penny per stream. Not even a penny per stream, a fraction of a penny per stream compared to the higher revenue per unit sold that they may have received from physical sales in the past. And when I'm going to say, I'm going to say higher revenue, I mean like thousands of times higher. I mean, they're making a fraction of a penny every time someone streams one of their songs. Now, I know that there's a lot of people streaming songs off Spotify and Apple Music, but are they streaming your song? Because guess what, right? If you put a goldfish... Um, in a pond full of trout, you know, what makes you think you're getting a goldfish? All right? What makes you think you're getting a goldfish and not the trout? So they get shelved. And what you may not know is that song royalties are sold like stocks. So the name of the game is to make an artist super popular so that they can sell their song royalties at a higher multiple. Think of this like mortgage-backed securities. Investors put their money in to get monthly returns. And yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. You became a commodity right there, huh? That's uh, from the dark side of the music industry. A little clip from the dark side of the music industry. Something you ought to check out. Uh, it's a pretty good little story, right? So what are we asking here? We're asking how do artists get paid for the digital music? We tried to go over a little bit of that. We, we, we we're transitioning from that in the last segment here. And we're saying that artists typically get paid for the digital music through a combination of different revenue streams, including when a user streams a song on a platform like Spotify, the artist earns a fraction of a penny per stream of streaming royalties. The exact amount can vary depending on the platform, the artist's contract, and other factors. Huh. You, 
we're going to talk about those other factors, right? But in general, the revenue per stream is relatively low. Right. So there's also when a user purchases a, a digital download of a song on platforms like iTunes or Amazon, the artist receives a percentage of the sale price. And this is something that varies depending on the platform, the artist con and the artist contract, but it typically ranges from 60 to 85% of the sale. So when you buy a song for a dollar, they're getting anywhere from 60 to 85 cents, okay? Yeah, uh, there's also like when a song is uh, streamed or downloaded, the artist is entitled to what they call a mechanical royalty, which is a fee paid to the songwriter or music publisher for the use of the song. Uh, this is typically paid, you know, by the streaming company or the download platform, right? Uh, when a song is used in a film, a TV show, or other media, the artist may earn a sync licensing fee. And this can vary depending on the specifics of the use and the artist's, artist's contract when they make that song, right? Uh, there's live performances, and they make the, up the bulk of the income for the artist because they keep a significant amount of that. So uh, the specific amount of revenue an artist earns from each of these streams can vary widely depending on the specifics of the artist's contract, the platforms they use to distribute their music, and other factors. There's that word again, right? Other factors that we're using. I'm using these two words because they're important, okay? They're important because these artists have to adapt to the new landscapes by leveraging social media and other online platforms, right? Many others have struggled to make a living from their music, and there have been calls for greater transparency and accountability from streaming services and their record labels to ensure that artists are fairly compensated for their work. You know, one of the main complaints from music artists has been the decrease in revenue that has accompanied the shift towards digital music, right? But that's because the pool of people is so large who are going to go look for your music that the potentials are large, right? So as mentioned earlier, the revenue per stream or download is very, very low. And many artists have reported struggling. And that struggle is where the artist has to make up for the money that they're losing in their streaming. So how do they compensate for that struggling? They do it through social media and presence, right? They do it through Instagram. They do it through outrageousness, uh, they do it through the way they dress. They do it through the things that they do to get attention. Um, and um, sometimes those things aren't cool, man, you know? And sometimes they are. You just it, it just depends on the way you look at them. And that's what has degraded the music as well, right? That's what's degraded the music because, again, the people with the money, you know, me and you, 57-year-olds, who still do appreciate good music, um, we can spend it, but we're not relevant. So they're not paying attention to us. And so when we see them doing the things that they're doing to get the relevancy that they need, they're doing it in front of people they think aren't relevant and we're watching them. So they're not doing gearing what they do towards us. That would be like gearing what they do towards their parents. It's silly. They're gearing what they do towards other kids or to other people their age or to other like-minded individuals. And that's how they start to earn their presence. So that's how digital music has killed the radio star, isn't it? Because it isn't about their music until it's about their presence. And before, it was all about their music until you found out about their presence. Like Led Zeppelin going on tour and writing that book, you know, Hammer of the Gods. And... Uh, I mean, these guys were crazy, right? You read that book, you're like, wow. 
you know. <laughs> no one here gets out alive, the Jim Morrison book. I mean, that book is crazy. You know, it tells you all about what Jim was doing back there and the, and the band was doing. But you didn't know that until somebody wrote the book, right? You didn't know it. You just liked the music. And that's how digital has killed a radio star. There's no musical presence. You don't sit and listen to the whole album anymore. You know why you sit and listen to the whole album. I don't have to tell you. If you show your kids, I showed my daughter the, uh, the record player when it first came, and she's 24 years old, right? We never had one in the house because I, when the kids were there, A, I was working too much. I don't have time for records. And B, and when we're moving and moving around, things get shuffled. You lose stuff. Things break. They get warped, right? You throw them out. So we had the radio and tapes and things like that. The kids didn't see that stuff. And it was terrible. <laughs> I admit it was terrible. So the presence of the music wasn't there. It was just the music and that they heard. And they heard only the music that I liked at that point. So I treated my car like it was a giant digital music store, you know, with tapes of the music that I liked, that I chose, that I wanted to listen to. And, and, and even then, my kids weren't getting the full experience of an album. So I have to say, you know, that my generation is the last experience of people holding an album in their hands and going, wow, look at this artwork, man. Wow, look at the words are here. Wow, I don't have to look them up online. <laughs> you know? I mean, you could sit there with the album. And guess what? Right? Back to why you listen to the whole album. My daughter would look at that album and she'd go, how do you, how do you get to the next song? Well, you've got to raise the needle and then carefully line, laser, line that thing up with your laser-like eyesight and drop that needle down right on that space so you don't get any cracking from the last song. That's how you got to do it. And she's like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, I know. That's why we're going to listen to the whole album, whether we wanted to or not. And that's why digital's killed the radio star, right? You know, and, and that, means, that means one thing to me in, in mathematics, <laughs> right? All that stupid talk about, you know, holding stuff in your hand and being tactile and this whole thing going throughout this entire podcast, I, it leads me to a math thing right at the end because I like math. I don't know why I like math and I failed math in school all the time and still I'm good at it and I don't care what anybody says, right? So the, <laughs> the music industry is no longer three-dimensional. That's the problem, right? The music itself is no longer three-dimensional. You can no longer hold it in your hand, right? And you can no longer feel the tactile, take care of it like you need to take care of it, clean it like you need to clean it, work the needle clean, change the needle every once in a while to make sure you got the best sound, go out and buy the best needle. You know, you don't have to do any of that. There's no care being taken of the music that you buy so that you appreciate the music that you spent money on buying. You know, that's the three-dimensional aspect of this. And it's just to specify... Um, a unique point in a three-dimensional space, right? We need actually three coordinates, you know, one for each dimension. So we're using a Cartesian coordinate system, right? That's, that's what all that is about, right? Uh, where each point is identified by a, a, a certain set of um, numbers, three numbers like X, Y, and Z, okay? And they're corresponding uh, to all three of those other points, all three of the points, and they're touching, and that's your three-dimensional space. Sorry for the math lesson, but it's got to be there so you can visualize what that means because you hold that record in your hand, right? 
we need that three-dimensional point to define that three-dimensional space, which can be used to specify the position of any other point in that space. And so that record becomes your focus. You know, that um, the system that you play the record on becomes your focus. Keeping the dust out of it so it doesn't burn up it becomes your focus. Making sure that the wires are clean in the back becomes your focus. Taking care of your music becomes your focus. You know, now all you've got to do is say to yourself, in that three-dimensional space, apply it to the music world. I know and you know that there are many kinds of music, but not in the digital world. In the digital world, there are predominantly two types of music, pop and hip-hop and country. You know, it's overwhelmingly predominant to the point where other forms of music are insignificant, like rock and roll. You may like rock and roll. You may love, I love rock and roll. I love the blues. I love where rock and roll came from. How about that? You know? So this change reflects the change in production and, the re and revenue for the artist. If everyone is doing the same thing, why would anyone get paid more for their music? Well, they don't. They get paid more for the other thing. Remember, we kept talking about the other thing. huh? Well, you know what that is, right? It's their social statuses, like we said. It's their presentation. But you can only name so many rappers Lil, <laughs> right? Before that shit becomes old and boring. You can only have so many songs about America love and trucks. You need variety in artistry or it becomes state-sponsored in its appearance. Kind of like our public schools, right? If the popularity of the music is based mostly on the statuses of the artist and not the artistry surrounding the music and inside the music, then the music sucks. You just don't know it, right? Because... You are listening to stuff you considered great and the new stuff is not. Hmm. Just like our public schools. Think about that. You know? Think about that, folks. Are you ready? Another episode of Things You're Not Supposed to Talk About with Louis G in a Tank, huh? Thank you for showing up. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Have a great day.